What's up and welcome to episode four of Over and In, the Ultimate Volleyball Podcast. I am your host, Bubba Hunt. Let's grow. All right, welcome back. The first thing I am going to do is apologize profusely. I know it has been about two months since I put out the last episode, but I honestly have no excuse other than this was our first holiday with a baby, with a child, a human being that we are responsible for. And uh, it was it was nuts. It was nuts. We had a we had a great holiday. We had great Thanksgiving, Christmas. New Year's, all that good stuff. It was, uh, it was just exhausting, you know. Um, you know, sh- nobody um, got sick with COVID. Nobody, uh, nothing, you know, super crazy. It was just a lot of running around and a lot of going from house to house and whatever. And I did not forget about this podcast. That is one promise I made to myself that I didn't want to be a, you know, five to ten episode podcast or something, and then just quit. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even made it to five. So obviously I wasn't going to quit yet. Um, I did not forget at all. My brain has constantly been going on different topics and whatnot. Uh, what I would want to talk about first thing coming back, you know, my original plan was to do one right after our first tournament, which I believe I said that on the previous podcast. And then, uh, I'll kind of get into how that tournament went in this podcast, specifically this episode. And then I was like, well, okay, well, Christmas. So I took a break for Christmas, took a break for New Year's. And then I was like, okay, well, then we have our second tournament, the first uh, full weekend after New Year's in January. So I'll do it after that. And then I will also be talking about how that tournament went. And it just kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, took a back backseat to other things. And I'm very, very sorry. But I am back with lots to talk about. I say that I have lots of topics and lots of episode ideas and I've talked with, you know, a lot of people in the volleyball community, people outside of the volleyball community that can shed light on uh, different aspects of coaching or just being an athlete in general that I'll be using for further episodes. So this episode specifically is basically going to be what I have learned since the last episode I put out. The last episode I put out was the positionless player uh, that was when I interviewed my current athlete, Summer, who um, was playing middle for me this year. Uh, she normally was an outsider, but she's played a little bit of everything, and I just kind of talked about you know, what the positionless player is, what that looks like, what's the attitude that, a, that I would like personally as a positionless player to have, the parents of a positionless player, and if you are a coach, um, what, you know, what it looks like to have a positionless player on your team and how to use them effectively, etc. Well, since recording that, Summer, sticking true to her title of positionless player, I have now switched back to outside. Um, and that just goes to show how you know great of a positionless player she actually is. I also realize I just said positionless player maybe 25 times in a 30-second span. So I'm very sorry for just... Kept, I just kept repeating it over and over. I'm also trying something new this time. I literally... Am not. I'm going to attempt to not edit a single thing on at least my voice on this episode. So I'm not going to take out any of the us. If I stumble over words, say the wrong things, I just need to be more authentic with y'all. And so that's what I'm going for. I'm just going to let it flow, let it fly. 
uh, I have been listening to listening to a ton of podcasts um, over the break and everything. Oddly enough, though, not very many volleyball podcasts, only because uh, there's only a few that I've found that I have, uh, I guess I could deem beneficial for myself. Not that they're bad podcasts or whatever, and they just haven't posted. I think everyone kind of took a break for the holidays, and so especially when you know there's not a lot to do, or um, I, I drive to you know my club where I'm the master coach at, and it's an hour away, uh, so that's normally where I get my podcast time in. So, um, but no, I've been listening to a lot of great podcasts uh, on a multitude of different topics, and so kind of just getting some ideas from these other podcasts that I've, I'm looking at and that are successful and that are growing. And, you know, just trying to figure out things that they do. And one of my favorite podcasts that I just found recently, they don't edit anything. And yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's two guys and yeah, there's some times where, you know, stuff's fallen in the background and crashed or whatever. And they, uh, they just kind of keep going and just kind of laugh about it. And it, it hopefully nothing too crazy like that happens because it's just me. So if something did happen like that, might be a ghost in this house or something, uh, if my wife is listening, which I know she will, um, there's not a ghost in our house. Don't freak out. We're not moving. So, um, but I have been keeping track of like the views and everything or the downloads, uh, on my other episodes over the break. I kind of was terrified that it would, um, you know, drop down and just be non-existent and not grow at all. Um, and it far surpassed my expectations. Uh, I'm looking at it right now and it just says 84 downloads in the last 30 days. Like that's incredible. Like, thank y'all so much. Um, one of my favorite things about the website I use to upload um, is it tells you locations where people listen. Um, so, uh, you know, like I've obviously majority in the United States, but then I have like Canada, Australia, Germany, Brazil, UK, Denmark, New Zealand, Singapore, Argentina, Iceland, Peru. Like that's so freaking cool to me that someone, it's super crazy that someone in a completely different country thought that my podcast was worth listening to. Like, that's just super dope to me. I don't know. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out. I don't know any people in Washington, Virginia or Lake Stevens, Washington, but hey, huge shout out to my small little cruise I have over there apparently, because those are the top two locations for listens on my episodes. So, hey, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you found me, but I'm not mad about it. I appreciate it. Um, so, Let's go ahead and get into kind of the my normal episode. And so, of course, we're going to start off with Shanks and Diggs. Um, also, side note, with no editing, I'm going to go off on some rabbit holes. So you got to keep you got to keep up. Um, one of the podcasts I listen to, they uh, you know every segment they do, they have a lot more segments, which I've been trying to come up with witty segments, haven't really found any yet. But uh, besides Diggs and Shanks. They always have like this intro song they make where they just like go into a garage band like you did when you were like, you know, 13, 14 and make ridiculous songs and just make lyrics that rhyme, but with, you know, whatever the segment is. And I keep telling myself that I need to do that. And one day I'm going to sit down and do it and y'all are going to listen and it's going to blow y'all away. So we're going to start off with the shank first. I want to start off with the negative end on a positive. Remember the dig and shank. These are... Um, if I am digging something, this is going to be a positive in my life that I'm digging, uh, could be volleyball related, not volleyball related. Um, and shank is something that I am shanking away. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not a big fan of it. So we're going to start off with the shank for this episode, just cause I want to end on a positive note with the dig. So 
my shank can be summed up into one word. Um, it probably is a lot of other people's shank as well, and it's COVID. Now, when I'm talking about COVID, I am talking specifically as it relates to the volleyball community. Now, I will be the first to say that I, in in this area that we're in, I'm right outside Dallas, but D, all of DFW, we pull our athletes from, and um, I live on the east side of Dallas, and then my club is on the east side of Fort Worth, so it's quite a drive, but um, we are blessed that club volleyball is still going on. Um, I'm in, you know, several Facebook groups where I see lots of posts every day where, you know, I, I, I'm not coaching, you know, it's super sad, you know, what are you, what are y'all doing with your athletes to keep them in shape while, you know, you are, while, while you're not having, able to have a season, um, I know some places are just like, you know, canceling tournaments last minute. So I will say that we are very blessed in our region, North Texas region to be able to continue to keep playing. Um, and cause coaching is my favorite thing in the world. And I love to coach. I love competing. I love competition. Uh, you know, my wife is always excited when volleyball season rolls around because she knows that, you know, I get a fire lit underneath me and it's, it's my favorite thing going to practice and, um, being able to prepare ourselves as best we can in order to compete. So I'll say that we are very blessed that we are able to play right now. My shank is the inconsistency with COVID protocols across our region. Now, if you are someone who works for NTR and you're listening to this, like it's not y'all's fault, really. I mean, maybe it is. I don't really know who to blame, but just from my experience with the first two tournaments, um, a lot of things. So the first thing at the beginning of the season, you know, we got our um, NTR, North Texas region, they sent out a uh, their, their COVID protocols, right? And so um, they said they were aligning with USAV protocols. So USAV uh, sent it out beginning of the, you know, tryout season or whatever that, you know, we're checking temperatures, you know, girl stuff is six feet away, water bottle six feet away, um, masks need to be worn when you are not on the court. Um, so as soon as you step off for a sub or whatever, uh, you know, you put your mask on before the match, you wave at each other. You don't shake hands anymore. Um, you know, keep like if you're subbing in, um, for someone in the game, you know how they always like to put their hand up, like they're giving a really weird high five and just touch each other's hand. Um, I've never understood that by the way, but it's always been a thing, you know, don't do that anymore. Um, uh, NTR, you know, they said don't come in. Players and coaches can't come in until 30 minutes before their first match. Um, and parents can't come in until 15 minutes before their first match. And the the main surprise I had when we got those original protocols was that they were not setting a limit on spectators, which either way, it's, you know, it's whatever they want to do. I was just very surprised there was not a limit. They went on to say that they were leaving it up to each venue individually, which I totally understand because each venue is in a different county, in a different city, um, and they, you know, some rules might be different elsewhere. There's just no, you know, there's no real way to, um, I guess, just to keep track of, you know, every city and then be able to change everyone's protocol every week. Um, so I guess this has come kind of where my first inconsistency is, is 
maybe I need to do it, or if someone's listening that is in the NTR can do it. Can someone set up a a a web page or at least just like a spreadsheet where we can go to put it in a Google Drive where it has all the venues that we play at listed and it gives the protocols. I, I just think that would be so much easier because you know coaches, directors, we're scrambling to you know, normally we don't figure out where you're going to play until a week before, maybe two weeks. And then by that time, you know, you're trying to call and figure out. And you are, of course, we already have questions from parents and players all the time. You know, do we know how many they're going to let in? You know, what's the, what are we going to do? Um, and it, it's, it's just, it's, it's just a lot of stress and I feel like it's an easy fix. Um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive to it. Maybe I'm just trying to make it too simple. Um, but so I guess just the inconsistency of, uh, you know, those, first of all, spectators in different venues. I understand why I still, I'm still going to shank it. I still don't like it. Um, but my next one is, is, is the mask. So I, this is not a political podcast. Um, at honestly, right now, I wish it could be, I got a lot to say about what's going on in the world. Um, but I made this a volleyball podcast and that's what it's going to be. So maybe I will make a different podcast. I had already planned on doing one for strictly Enneagram. Um, so we will see, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll just throw an episode on there one day where it's like, hey, this is not volleyball related. I'm just going to talk about whatever the heck I want. And it'll have the least amount of downloads, but it is what it is. So the masks, you know, regardless of what you believe, you know, if the if the government's trying to control, whatever, okay? Regardless, USAV, put a mandate that you need to wear masks when you are off the court. Okay. So yes, every venue we've been to the two tournaments, um, they have required us to wear masks. Um, when you walk in, can't get in without a mask and NTR sent out these, you know, guidelines and I guess like consequences, like this is the order of consequences that you will receive for, taking your mask off, pulling it down, whatever. And this was for coaches, players, and parents. And it was, you get three strikes basically. And so the first one was, you know, the ref sees that, you know, like we're say we're in a huddle and my mask is down. Okay. And I'm talking to my girls um, or one of my girls masks is down, whatever. Or a parent is just keeping their mask off and yelling. The ref will give a yellow card to that team. So this is important that it's to the parents Okay, of the team. So if you know one of my girls, you know moms or dads get real mad and just stands up and starts yelling, or they're cheering, you know, yeah, let's make it positive. They're cheering and they just don't pull their mask back up. The ref could stop play, give a yellow card. Just a warning. So second violation, and this is not per person. This is not per like player, per parent, per coach. This is per team. So if say the parent did it the first time. Um, and then say a player doesn't have their mask on when they come off the court, that's still, it's still strike two. So the second part is they get, my team would get a red card. So that means that, you know, red card, you got to write it down on the score sheet, whatever. And we lose point ball goes to the other team third time. So say it was a parent first time player, second time, and then me the third time. Um, I just forgot to pull it up or I'm talking in the huddle without it. It is immediate forfeit of the game and possibly the match. Okay. So when we first got this before our first tournament, we were like, Oh boy, they are not messing around. Like we were like, 
we I we we preach to our girls so hard like you know you better not or your parents not I know I'm not gonna end up losing a match or getting disqualified or from the whole tournament because of because of a mask it's not that hard we can do this and sure enough I go to the first tournament and there was several coaches I saw that they I guess had a gator you know one of the like buffs that they wear that they didn't have over their mouth the entire time. Um, I know, uh, there's a club, I'm not going to say what, whose club this is, but there is a club, um, in our region that I know that, um, their director has actually put the reverse and said, like, we're not going to wear massive practice. And, um, and, you know, they've had a couple of COVID cases that have popped up there. Um, but the two tournaments I've been to, I mean, I, I, I have yet to see any of that happen. Um, we played against a team in the second tournament where the ref just leaned over to the coach and said, Hey, like, make sure you have your mask on. And that was it. And so it's not the fact that there are rules. It's not the fact that I wish there were less rules or more. It's the fact that, you know, rules are being put in place, but we're not enforcing them. And it just, it just, it's a bad look. In my opinion, I feel like the longer it continues, um, the the worse it's going to get just the lack of accountability that uh you know we're having on people and and I'll, I'll be honest the main offenders i see are coaches um and don't get me wrong i understand i get that it's you know to yell at the girls or whatever that it, it's it's tough and again when I, I coach girls so when i say girls that's what i'm talking about so to yell at your athletes your players with a mask on it, it can be tough especially if you know the the games are getting close. It's getting rowdy in there. I get it. Um, I asked NTR if while I was coaching a face shield would be sufficient enough for protection. Um, and I know that like technically CDC, like that's that you need to wear a mask and a shield, but I asked, can I just wear a shield? Thankfully they said yes, because I found out that when I was, I tried it at practice just to see how it worked. Uh, if the girls could hear me better, whatever, they actually told me, yeah, we can barely hear you ever. We normally just read your lips. So yeah, this is better. And I was like, wow, I've been coaching most of y'all for three years and you're just now telling me this. Um, but I guess it's, that's my biggest thing is it's it's an inconsistency in accountability when it comes to uh, the COVID protocols and everything. Um, another thing is, I guess, the uh, the lack of knowledge some people have on COVID uh, you know, so our club specifically, we operate obviously under USAV NTR guidelines. Um, and when it comes to, uh, you know, testing or positive test, negative test, when you should test quarantine, whatever we adhere to the CDC. Um, and so you can go to their website at any point in time and look at what the guidelines are. It has all the, all the rules written out very clear on when you should quarantine, when not, um, if you have COVID, like when you're clear, things like that. And so, it, you know, we have questions come from, um, you know, not only players, not only parents, but, you know, other coaches in my club that have asked, you know, well, what, okay, well, you know, this situation, this girl, you know, might have it, you know, contact tracing, you know, she was, um, the, the worst is when you get the, uh, yeah, so I was around my brother and his girlfriend was there and his girlfriend's best friend 
thinks she has it. So I need a quarantine. And I'm like, oh, no, like you don't need a quarantine. It's it's that it's not like that. And I think it's just the the lack of knowledge or um, I'm not even gonna say the lack of knowledge. I'm gonna say the, um, I guess, refusal to research, refusal to research. Yeah, I think I like that phrase. So um, those are my shanks, just COVID in general. I realize that I'm already 20 minutes into this and I haven't even got to the main topic. I'm not even through my intro in my first segment. So let's get on to what I'm digging, what me, Bubba Hunt, is digging in my life right now. So um, since the last podcast, I would say that I am digging this journey I'm on of self-discovery. Um, so I'm just digging self-discovery in general. I've always been a huge proponent of um, learning more about yourself. I I know that I still don't know everything about myself. I mean, I know a heck of a lot more than I knew, you know, especially like in high school, college, I'm learning more and more. Um, and I think the older I get, the the less I learn just because I already, I feel like I already know most of it. And uh, I just get surprised when I learn new things about myself. And so this whole, you know, two, two and a half months has been a huge journey of self-discovery. Um, a, a huge proponent in, or a huge part of my self-discovery is, is volleyball, um, which we're going to get into in this episode. Uh, in my head, I had created like the perfect segue, like I had a phrase that I was going to use and I forgot it. Um, but you know, I've learned a lot about myself as a coach. Um, you know, been doing a lot of self-discovery, um, spiritually, um, you know, off topic of volleyball, my, you know, one of my favorite things in the entire world is to discuss theology. Um, I was a youth pastor when I was in college. Um, I was raised, um, in the church. And so like, you know, taught just discussing theology, different views, different beliefs, one of my favorite things. And, um, you know, a couple of podcasts that I found have really, um, you know, I say challenged my beliefs, but I mean that in a good way. Um, I think, you know, as, as human beings put on this earth, I think we should question everything, not just in regards to, um, you know, volleyball or, you know, if you want to get into politics, whatever, I think it's, you know, our responsibility to, um, question things and to understand why we believe what we believe regardless of, and I'm not just talking about, um, spiritual things. I'm t- I mean, coaching wise, you know, why do I um, believe that, you know, why am I such a defensive minded coach? Like, why do I believe um, that defense and ball control wins games? Uh, you know, going back to my coaching philosophy, um, the, you know, these past couple of months, I literally broke everything down. I went back to the bare basics of, okay, why am I coaching in general? Why am I coaching period? Um, and I, I would just challenge anyone listening that just search yourself, figure, figure something new out about yourself. Why do you respond the way you do in certain situations? Why do you, um, like the things you like, don't like the things you don't like. Um, and obviously, you know, I always point towards the Enneagram. If you haven't listened to my Enneagram episode, please go do. Um, and I would love to hear what number Enneagram you are because I love the Enneagram and I want to talk about it with everyone. Um, so those are my dig and shank, my shank, just COVID in general, the inconsistency of COVID regulations. Uh, and I'm really digging, um, this, this kind of stage I'm at right now where I'm just discovering more and more about myself and, you know, discovering, um, all these different little things that, you know, make, that can make my life better when I acknowledge them. Um, so leading again, I forgot my segue. I forgot the perfect line. Um, it's always been like a side dream of mine to be a 
to be a sports talk, like a sports radio guy or like a commentator. Like I love to talk as y'all know. I mean, I'm 25 minutes in and haven't honestly said anything that y'all wanted to hear. Um, and I love sports. So if I got, just got to talk all day about sports, that would be incredible. Um, so I had the segue and I was like, yes, when I become the sports, you know, when I become this commentator, or this radio host, I'm going to be really good at segues and I forgot it. So there's that. Um, so I posted on my Instagram and Facebook that um, the title of this episode was going to be failure, um, using failure to grow. Um, I'm sure some of y'all have noticed, but whenever I introduce the the introduction for every episode, um, I say, you know, I'm your host, Bubba Hunt. Let's grow. Um, it's, it's something that I started saying, uh, I think back in college, I found a band called Listener and they... Um, they, it, it's talk music, which sounds ridiculous. I know. Um, but check them out. Listener. Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I'll just, I'll just say that. But, uh, uh, the lead singer, he's a big, he's, he uses that phrase, you know, I'd watch like, uh, clips from their live shows and he would just always say like, yeah, let's grow. Um, and it took me a couple of times to catch on to it. Uh, and then once I heard it, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's heavy. Like that's, that's awesome that, um, it, it just kind of hit me a certain way. I don't really know uh, how to explain it, but I was like, yeah, like, you know, as an athlete, as a coach, you know, we put a ball down super hard. I, I scream like, let's go. Like, that's what I do, you know, just top of my lungs. Um, and so to hear like, let's grow and to, it, it, it puts such a spin on it so quickly um, that I just loved it. And so I just decided to throw that in the beginning. And so that's, I guess what a big part of this is, is, you know, Failure is going to happen. And what do we do about it? Um, how can we grow from it? Uh, the other volleyball podcast that I have listened to, or I have seen, I think everyone has an episode about this. Um, and I had a lot of other ideas for episodes that will be coming out soon. That wasn't as cliche at this as this, but it just went, it just fits in so perfectly with where I'm at in my coaching life right now. If I had, you know, my, my coaching career, um, that, you know, I just, I just couldn't not talk about it and it, it's fresh. And so I will, um, I'll be able to remember things easier, you know, so I figured we would just do this one first. So, um, first of all, the last two tournaments, um, I will say this when I say we failed, okay. Um, we didn't get last place. Okay. We, we didn't like self implode. We didn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't like my parents were, you know, screaming at each other. My girls were fighting. It wasn't anything like that. Um, we got silver in both tournaments. Um, the first tournament, we lost the first match in silver the second day. And then the second tournament, we got to the championship in silver and lost in three. So when I say failure, I I am speaking in terms of um, my expectations. And so I think that's important when you talk about failure as a, and of course in this episode, I'm going to go over uh, players, parents, and coaches, um, you know, points for each one individually. Um, it, it's important to understand that when you fail, um, I think you need to distinguish first off, are you failing according to your standards or are you failing according to, um, you know, like the, your club standards, your school standards, um, you know, just your expectations, your boss's expectations, you know, like my director, my boss, like 
did, did I fail in these tournaments? Um, you know, or is this just me being hard on me? Um, I think that's the first key whenever, you know, just every loss that you take is not, doesn't have to be deemed a failure. Um, the second tournament we played day one, we played arguably the top 18s team in the country. Um, and if you're from the DFW area, you know who I'm talking about. Um, if you're not from the DFW area, you'll see him at nationals. Um, just to give you some, you know, uh, notes, just key points. Um, I have no one, I, I coach an 18s team currently. I have no one on my team above five, nine. Um, we run a very fast offense. We has to, um, the team that we played, I don't think, I think they might've had one girl that was under six foot. Um, one middle was six, five, one middle was six, four. Everyone on that team had a D one scholarship. Um, so when, yes, we lost spoiler alert. I know you were waiting. You were like, Oh, he pulled it out. It was a miracle. Um, we lost. Um, and I, again, I'm not going to say I knew we would lose because I don't want to have that attitude going into any match regardless. And I tell my players that like, like, don't be afraid. Don't go out there and expect failure. Go out there. And you know, again, if, if it depends on how you define failure, it depends on like, if you have the attitude of, Hey, I can go out here and I know there's film rolling. So if I can get some highlights of, you know, me doing some crazy things against this team, like that's going to be great for my highlight reel or, you know, like I, going up against a, a huge block like that, like using it as a learning experience of how to hit around a block. Um, so it, it wasn't that I was unhappy with the result. It was, I was unhappy um, with my expectations for my team um, that match specifically, but also both tournaments. Um, you know, we, the, the second tournament we had an inappropriate amount of hitting errors. It was, we had 75 hitting errors over two days. It, it was, we couldn't have, we couldn't have hit a grape into the ocean. It was, it was insane. Um, and, you know, I understand that, you know, players have off, have off games, have off sets. Um, it, it was just tough that for two tournaments in a row, a lot of our players just had off weekends. Um, and it's rare. And I think, you know, it's, it, it's more, it's more of a, disappointment when you know you're coaching 18s you know these are girls that um, I do have a couple of 17s on my team um, that should be playing 17s but just when they're at that age they're playing at that level um, you know just me personally as a coach I just I just expect more and they know that Um, and so I after the second tournament you know I'm always very hard on myself um, and it's it really goes against my Enneagram number Um, so I'm an Enneagram 8 the challenger um, have to be in control of everything. Um, I, I know a lot of eights and me specifically outside of volleyball, you know, pr- my pride is one of my biggest struggles. I struggle greatly with, you can ask my wife admitting when I'm wrong, um, or just admitting, you know, my fault. It, it's, it's the initial, um, reaction for me to be defensive and just that I, I know that about me personally. It's something I'd, you know, have learned over the years that, um, you know, if I, come into any kind of criticism, um, I immediately get defensive. Um, but what's really weird. And what I've learned over these last two months is that's not the case with me with volleyball. And I am still working on 
how that works in my head and why that is, I have no idea. But um, when it comes to me as a coach, um, over the last two tournaments, the first thing I did was I took full responsibility. Um, and my, uh, you know, my amazing wife, Lex, she was the, is always the first one to say, hey, you're being too hard on yourself. Like, you know, like, yes, you are their coach. And but at the end of the day, like, you know, it's they, they have to perform. And I and I totally get that players. You're not off the hook. Do not think this podcast is going to be a complete coaches. It is all your fault when you fail and players, you have no responsibility. Not at all. Yes. I understand that at the end of the day, no matter what drills we run, no matter what, you know, how much preparation, no matter what hype videos we send our player, whatever we do at the end of the day, it comes down to can the players on the court execute. So I told my wife, I said, yes, I understand that, but these girls are a direct reflection of me and how I prepared them. And so um, I take it, you know, personally, when we lose, I take it personally when we win as well. I'm very proud, you know, of myself when we do pull out a big win, when we do play well. Um, you know, I I will be the first one to, you know, praise my team. Um, but after these two tournaments, so the, after the first tournament, you know, losing first game in silver, you know, I, I chalked it up to first tournament. You know, um, I have like four or five key girls that have been with me for the last three years. Um, and then, you know, we have new girls. And so I was like, okay, so first tournament, Hey, now we know what to expect, right? Okay. Let's get to practice. Let's get to work. Um, you know, we have, a, we have our break, uh, and then we have a week of practice and then we're back for our second tournament. And then the second tournament, um, it, we, we placed better and there were times where we played better, but I would say as a whole, I was more disappointed in the second tournament than the first, just because it, we didn't grow. We, we failed the first tournament and nothing changed. Um, we were still making the same mistakes, you know, just it was lack of focus, things like that. Um, and so I, like I said earlier, I broke down everything. I went back to my coaching philosophy. Why do I coach? Like what is, when I step on the court and I'm running a practice, like what is my main goal? What is my main goal here? Um, and basically I redid everything. I, um, you know, redid how we do our warm up. Um, completely different kinds of drills. Um, you know, we went with how many hitting errors we have. We, you know, went back to basics. I'm talking, nobody's running a shoot. Nobody's running a zip. Nobody's running nothing. Like we are running just your basic three sets. We took all of our offensive plays out, not allowed to run offensive plays anymore, getting back to basics and kind of just redefining myself as a coach. Um, there were a couple of things that you know, like I said, I have this core group of girls that have been with me for like three years. And, um, you know, I just maybe like, I just was too comfortable. Like they, they knew, or, you know, they were too comfortable with me. I was too comfortable with them. I knew what they were going to give me at practice. So I didn't ask for more like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to push you any harder just cause I know I'm not going to get it out of you. Cause I haven't, you know, for the past three years or whatever. Um, you know, maybe they know, you know, like I am a very passionate person and you can tell exactly what I am thinking and feeling by my face. I wear everything on my face, facial expressions, everything. Uh, my girls can tell you exactly what I do when I get mad. I have stages of, you know, anger during a match. Like if we're playing poorly and you know, they, they can tell you, well, if he's a little irritated, he does this, you know, like they say that when I'm really mad, I, I squat down cause I always stand when I coach, I can't sit. Um, and I squat down, um, that's when they know, apparently I'm at my, my peak level of anger. Um, and so 
you know, understanding that and understanding that maybe it's just that my girls just, it's, it's, it's more just going through the motions. And, you know, I always preach to them, don't just go through the motions. You know, we have to be able to do things so we can add on, you know, it's all building blocks. We got to be able to do this. You know, we got to be able to, you know, differentiate between a drop pass and a shoot pass so that we can run, you know, this certain play or whatever. And it, I, I, it took me so long to realize that it's because I'm bringing the same thing. Every practice I'm being, I'm being repetitive. I'm being complacent and preaching to them to not be. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I got extremely upset with myself and I just, dug into the stats and dug into film and um, kind of designed a whole new way we're doing practice. And, and when I say a whole new way, I mean, you might watch my practice now and be like, yeah, it looks like a normal practice to me. Um, or yeah, pretty standard, like nothing super crazy. But again, it's, it's, it, it was me looking at it and saying, I got to change something. Um, you know, I send an email out to the team after every tournament uh, that has like team stats. Uh, I give grades on, um, serving, serve, receive, offense, defense, uh, effort, attitude, energy, focus. Um, I give like letter grades and then type a long paragraph um, on just my thoughts about it. And majority of my last, you know, email I sent was I take credit. I get it. But we're starting new here. Like we have we have a new process that we're going to start and I need you to trust me. Um, I need you to trust this process. I need you to buy in. Uh, and that was a big fear of mine that the players weren't going to be able to adjust because they were so used to what we had been doing. And, um, I was already foreseeing, you know, you know, me butting heads with some of the girls, some of the girls just because they didn't like it because it's, it's change. Um, you know, most people don't like change. Most people fear change. And that's something that as a coach, I think is, is hindering if you don't want to change same thing with players parents whatever and this goes past volleyball this goes to life that if if you have a fear of change um it might be good for a while it might be you know good for now but eventually you know something's gonna change in our world um i mean i know that usav like i feel like every other year they come up with new libero rules or you know adding another libero or whatever and so that's going to cause you to have to change your coaching style, your playing style, whatever. Um, and so I just think it's important that we see failure and to not just get upset. And um, I mean, the most common thing I see is, is the blame game. And, you know, it would be, it would have been real easy after these last two tournaments for me to say, you know, well, I did all I could. I did all these drills. I planned all these practices and y'all just didn't execute. So, you know, if y'all just want to keep on losing, then that's going to be up to y'all. And then honestly, probably nothing would change in practice. Because if I was doing the exact same things in practice, how can I expect my girls to do anything different if I'm not? And so um, it was just kind of a big revelation. And it, uh, I was super nervous going into the first practice after that it, you know, could be a disaster. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I told, I told my wife, she said, I said, I'm, I'm terrified for practice tonight. And she was like, why? I said, this is going to be completely different. It could be a complete disaster. We might get nothing done. Um, and I constantly preach. I only have four hours with these girls a week. You know, if, if these, if this practice is, is not good, I mean, that's half of this week's practice gone. Um, so let me get into the individual of players, 
parents, coaches, um, kind of what I think uh, key points for each one are. Um, and the disclaimer I always give when I speak to parents, um, I have a wonderful daughter. However, she is only seven months old, seven months old as of yesterday. Um, she's growing super fast. She's perfect. She's awesome. She's the best. Um, so I understand that, you know, if a parent's listening, hearing me speak on this, you might, first thing you might say is, well, you know, how can you say that you don't have a daughter in the club world, whatever, whatever. So when I speak to parents, I'm, I'm speaking from my coach's viewpoint right now on what I have seen, um, you know, girls that have been super successful in club, you know, what their parents have done, um, girls that I've seen, you know, their volleyball career implode. Honestly, sometimes it's because of the parents. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I've said this in past episodes that when we recruit, you're not only recruiting girls, athletes, players, you're recruiting parents as well. Um, I tell all my coaches, make sure, you know, every one of your parent, one of your parents' names, make sure you're talking to them. If they're coming to practices, if they're at tournaments, make sure you're making an effort too, because it's, I've, in my experience, in my 10 years of coaching, I have seen seasons ruined more often by parents than I have players. Um, and it's sad when it happens. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I try to keep on top of. I've been blessed to have the most amazing parents, you know, team moms, team dads for the past three years of this club. It's, it's honestly, I, I, I couldn't have dreamt it any better. I couldn't have made a wish list and made it any better. They've been incredible. So, um, the one thing, the number one thing I want to tell, um, parents is that you need to help your kids grow when they fail. Um, I have, you know, talked to many parents after tournaments over the years, many, um, I've, I've seen and heard many conversations that parents have with their athletes afterwards. And, th- and this isn't just volleyball. This is, I've coached football, softball, um, well, I know I've coached something else, volleyball, maybe I have it. basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, it, it, this is not just volleyball specific, but, um, you know, I've seen parents rip into, you know, the athletes after, and, you know, it just, it, it, it's hard to watch. And again, if that's your parenting style, Hey, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kid. Um, I'm not going to tell you that what you're doing is right or wrong. Um, but I will tell you that when you, encourage your kid to grow from the failure, um, that is going to help them significantly. Um, we only get as a coach, we only get, you know, four hours a week and then plus tournaments. Um, so, you know, those, I know those car rides after tournaments, if it's a rough one can be very long, um, very quiet and, you know, just a lot of emotions from parents and players in the car all at the same time. And I totally understand that. Um, encourage them to grow. And I think the biggest thing for parents is try not to place blame on anyone. Okay. So when I say that, I think the, when, when biggest, the biggest problems with parents come up that I've seen, it is when the names of other players on the team start to get thrown around. Um, we have a policy at my club that I started last year. Um, you are not allowed to discuss any other player on the team with the coach or director. And I, I mean, I say that as in normally this equates to playing time. I'll be honest. Normally it's, you know, why is so-and-so playing more than, you know, my daughter, why, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
why is my daughter not running a 5-1? Why are we running a 6-2? She's clearly better. Whatever, whatever. Lots of different things I've heard over the years. Um, and just parents understand that when you place blame on someone else, when it becomes someone else's fault for failure, instead of just saying, like, yeah, as a team, like, y'all didn't play great. It is what it is. But when you start naming people, you know, majority of the time, you know, parents follow suit or kids follow suit after their parents. So, you know, if if a parent is over there talking, you know, mad crap about this one girl or these two girls or whatever, then automatically that's going to be implanted into, you know, the the player's mind and they're going to, you know, probably go tell someone else like, yeah, this, 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 this. And it sounds like it's coming from their own head. It sounds like they have a problem with these players when in reality, I've seen it traced back to, you know, it's because the parents have a problem with them. You know, the parents are, um, you know, the being the, the super protective, my, my baby girl needs to play my, you know, my baby girl's the best one out here, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not the player and the player didn't even have a problem until the parent had a problem. Um, so when it comes to failure specifically, it I think it's very, very important that the parents keep, well, no, that's my next point. I don't want to go there yet. See, this is where I would like edit all these long pauses out, but I'm not going to do it. Y'all are getting the real me, 100%. Here it is. Um, I think it's important that parents just talk about the team as a whole. Yes, of course, you can talk about your kid's performance. Of course, like, hey, like, man, you got to put the ball in the court, you know, Got to get your serves over. Like you had three missed serves. Like what in the world? Um, I'm not saying you cannot criticize. Um, again, I'm not telling what you can and cannot do. I'm just giving advice. Take it or leave it. Probably leave it. That's fine as well. Um, another big thing for parents when it comes to failure is I want you to keep your athlete. So like I said, not discussing other players, but keep your athlete and your coach accountable. Now, if you're a coach listening to this, you're probably just heard me say that. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, no, don't give them the green light to come yell at me. No. Okay. Keep your athlete and your coach accountable. If there was a contract at the beginning of the season, if there are set expectations and standards that you're the coach of your player's team has given to the team, make sure that your athlete and your coach are both held accountable to that. Now, I'm not saying as soon as you see a coach screw up, because we screw up. We screw up all the time. I mean, I, I think that's a common misconception that because we coach, we are we we are the you know most knowledgeable in this sport, and you know we we don't make mistakes. And um, again, we I, I know a lot of coaches that it's really hard for them to accept failure and to admit they were wrong. Um, and that that's their coaching style, and that's okay. I've I've met winning coaches that disagree with anything anybody says that is not exactly what they believe in um, and they don't want to change and that's fine but I think it's important that you as a parent especially in the club world you're paying for it you know you I tell my parents that all the time you're paying for this so I am going to ask your opinion on practice I'm going to ask your opinion on how do you think the tournament went and I will stop them immediately if I feel that they are starting to bring other players into it and starting to maybe potentially start drama whatever but I always ask my player's opinion or my parent's opinion because I want to know. Um, and so when I say keep your coach accountable, if you see a pattern of, you know, 
hey, please don't go to them about playing time or someone should play over someone else. It. I, I have one of my parents last year, maybe two years ago, sent me an email about, about my practices and was like, hey, the club we just came from, they came from a really big club, very successful club. Hey, you know, I, I, I know that coaches are different, but I, these are just some things I'm seeing that kind of concern me as if like it was like lack of focus, things like that. Um, I loved it, you know, that that the parent was holding me accountable because that showed me that he cared about his his daughter's volleyball career. He cared enough to call me out when he thought I wasn't doing something right. And I loved it. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, I took it. I changed some things. Um, not saying that everything that a parent brings you, if you're a coach, you have to change. And understand that if you're a parent bringing something to a coach, they don't have to change either. Okay. And, and it will also be about how you go about it. Are you aggressive or whatever? But I think it is important that you keep your athlete accountable for their actions and your coach as well. At the end of the day, remember, we only control two things in this life, our actions and our attitude. Those are the only two things we control. Um, so on to the players. Um, so failure for my girls, um, it's, so last season, we, we had a great season. Um, COVID, you know, cut our season short. That's why our season is, you know, unfinished business this year. Um, we were far exceeding expectations of anybody, parents, players, coaches, other clubs. No one expected us to do as well as we were doing, um, but we were, and it was awesome. Um, and so I think, you know, these first two tournaments for some of them was just a real kick in the head. You know, that um, we came off that last season and we were excited and to come give the two poor showings that we did, I think I think it was tough. Um, something else I called my girls out on in practice last night um, is I think my team specifically, um, and if you do this as a player, you drive me crazy. Um, it, they are incapable of receiving praise. I have like half of my team. I will tell them like, Hey, that was a good pass. And they'll be like roller eyes and be like, yeah, okay. Or no, it wasn't. It was, you know, super tight to the net or like they, you know, they, they smoke a ball in the court, but maybe it wasn't exactly where they wanted it. And I'm like, Hey, good swing. And then they're mad. And I'm like, guys, I'm telling you, you did a good job. I'm your coach, right? Like, trust me, like just, just accept it. Like, I even told him, I said, do y'all just want me to be just super negative all the time and just be like, yeah, that was terrible. Like only point out things that you do wrong. Um, and so I guess I, I never would have expected I would have to say this on a podcast, but if you're a player and a coach compliments you, just say thanks. I got, like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm super confused why I'm even talking about this because it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I told my girls, you don't have to say anything. You can just literally stare at me. If I say like, Hey, good swing, just stare at me. That's better than saying like, yeah, but I wanted to do this or I want to just like, hey, take the compliment, move on. You didn't fail. You actually succeeded. And it's this mindset and and maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know that, you know, if you always, you know, find some kind of negative or something in what you do, then I can't even come up with an analogy for it. I got nothing. I honestly don't. Um but the, the most important thing is, is when a tournament happens like these last two we had, or, you know, you have a rough day where, you know, yeah, you had like 10 hitting errors or something. Understand that, uh, and I can speak for myself as a coach. I know there are coaches out there who um, don't always do the right thing, don't always think the right way. But for me, 
you know, if my if my player hits, you know, has a ton of hitting errors, I don't think you're the worst volleyball player in the world. I don't hate you. I don't want to cut you from my team. I I like you're on my team. Like I chose you, especially in club. Like I chose you to be on my team. I believe in you. Okay, you had a rough day. It is what it is. But now I need you to understand that we need to fix it and that's I'm going to need your help as well. Um I think a lot of players sometimes I'm not going to say rely too much on the coach because the coach is a big part of it, but I will say it rely too much on the coach and and it takes responsibility off of them. Um, Because like I said, in the beginning players at the end of the day, it's y'all's job to execute. And yes, the it's a huge part on the coach, the parents, you know, making sure that you are properly equipped, making sure that you have the knowledge, the volleyball IQ, um, the skills to take into this tournament to be successful. But at the end of the day, no matter what, it's on you. Um, so that it, it's very simple. It's I, I don't have a lot of points for these. Um, I know this is an extremely long episode, and I'm not saying much. Um, but a phrase I always say, you know, to my girls is "Be pissed off for greatness." Like it, yeah. We got you know we got our head kicked in a couple of times uh, at the last tournament, and you know we won a couple of games. But at the end of the day, like. I like, I hope they're as pissed as I am, but they're not pissed and they're not going to, they're not going to wallow and they're not going to have a pity party. They're going to be pissed off and say, look, I know we're better. I know I'm better. Me as a coach, I know I can coach better. These players as a player there, I hope they think I know I can play better and I don't want to have that feeling again. And I want them to be pissed off for greatness. Be use that as motivation to go into practice and go into a tournament in order to succeed and not just use it as a, Oh yeah, let's just forget about that tournament. Like that was embarrassing. Um, and so the last point for this episode is for coaches. Um, and I just wrote down one phrase. It is okay to lose as long as you grow. Um, you know, it, you, you might be a, a college coach and yeah, your, um, salary relies on winning. And if you don't win, you know, you're, you're going to get fired, you know, or same thing at, if you're coaching at a high school or whatever, if, you know, if you don't win, you're going to get fired. And I understand that. I'm not saying it's okay to lose a lot. Okay. I'm saying it is, it is okay to lose as long as you grow. So I'm, I'm challenging every coach that's listening. You know, every time you have a rough tournament or rough, and this, this goes with practice as well, especially for me as a coach. Um, you know, I have an hour drive home after every practice. And so um, it's a, it, it's convenient for me to be able to have that time to sit and think, um, most of the time on my way home from practice, I have no music playing, no nothing. It's just me thinking. Um, and I just evaluate the practice. I run through it in my head. Hey, did this drill work? Not really. Um, I think it's super important to evaluate not only tournaments and watch film from tournaments, but also practice coaches. If you do not film practice, if you have never filmed practice, I highly suggest you do. Um, you will catch things that like your players do or, um, you know, just kind of like attitudes, body language type thing um, that you would never catch at a tournament. Cause when we go to a tournament, adrenaline's pumping, we're there, we're good to go. But when it comes to a, you know, um, a practice, there might be drills that the girls don't like. There might be drills that, uh, you know, they're just going halfway because it's not a tournament, you know? And so, um, I highly challenge you if you have never filmed a practice, just film a practice. Don't even tell the girls you're doing it. Um, you know, or if they can see, if they see you setting it up like, Oh yeah, testing a new camera, or you can just straight up telling them, Hey, 
I'm recording practice because I'm going to see uh, how hard y'all actually work. Um, and it's a good way for you to be able to keep stats for practice too, if that's how you determine playing time or whatever. Um, so that's my biggest thing for coaches is don't be afraid to change. Um, don't place blame on parents. Don't place blame on players. Take accountability for what you prepared them for. Um, their, what, how they perform is a direct reflection of you. Um, and you know, I, we, we've all played against those teams that, you know, we, we, we smoke, you know, like 25, four, 25, five, um, whatever. And, and I, I can't help but look at the coach and I'm like, what do their practices look like? Um, and then there you go. These last two tournaments, you know, we get smacked a couple of times and those coaches are looking at me thinking that. So it is what it is, but I just challenge you that don't, you know, don't just shrug it off after a rough tournament and, and change nothing. Um, you know, if, if you want the same results, keep doing the same thing. Um, but if you want, you know, to change stuff about your program, if you want change stuff to change about your team, that starts with the coach. You have to change first. You have to be willing to change um, and be, be open and be, you know, share that with your team, your girls, your parents, athletes, whatever. Hey, I'm, I'm going to change some things and it, it you know, it, it could be great. It might not work. You know, my, my girls know that if something is not working, I will change it. So when I brought in this whole new system that I'm using, I told them don't like, don't, I need y'all to buy into it because understand that if it's not successful, if it's not working, I'm not going to keep doing it. I, I want to be successful. I want y'all to be successful. So I need y'all to buy in. I need y'all to go hundred percent and understand that, um, you know, it, it it's, it's going to take all of us, parents, players, and coaches. Um, you know, you can't take one out of the equation and have a successful program, club, school, whatever. Um, actually I mentioned listener earlier in this podcast, uh, still go look them up, but they have a song called failing is not just for failures. Um, he says, failure is not just failing is not just for failures. It's for everyone. Failures just have more experience. Um, so just because you fail in a practice, you fail on one point, you fail in a tournament does not mean you're a failure. Um, push on, keep growing no matter what you do. Um, so that's pretty much everything I have. Um, this was the least prepared I've been for any of the four episodes. So if I kind of rambled again, unedited, you got the whole thing. Um, let me know what y'all think. Comment on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I already said Instagram, right? I already said Instagram. Yeah. Um, and again, Hey, huge shout out to my people in Washington, Virginia, shout out to my people in you know, Chile and Vietnam and people listening all over the world. Hey, I love y'all. Um, love y'all all the way from deep, deep in the heart of Texas, y'all. Um, I don't really talk like that, by the way, as y'all know. Um, but I appreciate y'all listening. I'll be coming out with a new episode, um, hopefully from the next week. Um, until then, I uh, hope y'all have a great week and remember to keep it over and in.